welcome to another episode of Cinema Oblivia, your podcast for discussions on films that are out of date, out of style, out of fashion, or just old and no one's heard of. As per usual, I am your host, James Eldred, and back once again is... Uh, my name is Diamond Fight, and I'm an American, and I am not accustomed to being bullied by foreigners. Yes, you are. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a, little bit a little bit, yes. Diamond, thanks you once again for joining, uh, joining me today. I appreciate it, and uh, I'm going to throw up the disclaimer I've thrown up on my past two podcasts, both here and on Alexander's Ragtime Band. I have been going through some health stuff, nothing life-threatening, just very annoying and very time-consuming, and so I haven't had the chance to usually do my obsessive-compulsive deep-dive research that I usually do, although I still do quite a bit for this one. So if it's a little more rust than usual, I apologize. It's just I spent four hours in one doctor's office on Friday. That was a bad day. I almost, yeah. murdered, I, I almost I, murdered that man. I'm uh, sorry. Please don't murder doctors. But it's but four hours. Look, last time we spoke, I, I made a point about asking our viewers not to murder the Pope. I think I can also tell you not to murder a doctor. Please just don't don't murder the doctor. Okay, I understand. Four hours, is, I did, four hours is three hours too long, but I, I get yeah. it. I did put the fear of God into, the, into his staff, so that was fun. Uh, just this giant white man just yelling. Um... I took my x-rays and walked out. Anyway, uh, today, <laughs> speaking of doctors, the the movie we're going to talk about today has two great actors um, playing doctors of sort. We will be talking about a professor and a doctor. Today we are talking about 1972 to 73, depending on where you were, whatever, Horror Express. Uh, a double, so this is two weeks in a row of Peter Cushing, because that's where my brain is right now. Um... But before we get there, Diamond, you. But when I did this last week with Anthony, this was his first Peter Cushing, first British, first uh, any type of old seventies horror experience. Mm. You are a bit more experienced with the realm of Peter Cushing, um, not as much as me. On according to Letterboxd, how many Peter Cushing films have you seen? Do you know? Oh, geez, hang on. I, up. I, I'm, I am curious. I want to compare. I've got the link um, open right now. Um, it says I've watched four percent of Peter Cushing's films, and so but oh, do you do you pay for the uh, the the better stats? No, I, get, I like, don't. Okay, I do not pay for the letterbox yet. I haven't seen the percentage. Let me, let me try that really quick. So I have seen forty three Peter Cushing films. Oh my goodness! And I have seen, <laughs> <laughs> and I have seen thirty four percent of his filmography. Okay, so, that's a lot and, more. That's, yeah, you know, that's, that's how I roll. But you recently watched some Hammer stuff for Halloween, right? Yes. Um, we're recording this in November, and uh, so all throughout October, I decided just to watch a horror movie every day, because I've I've been watching a movie every day all year. And so once we, got to, yeah. once we got to October, it's like, okay, well, let's do horror movies. So I did uh, I did a hashtag on, on Twitter. I called it 31 Nights of Halloween. And I started October with the Dracula. You know the Hammer Hammer film Dracula, mm -hmm. and I ended with the Curse of Frankenstein, which uh, actually word. <laughs> you know, I probably should have the other way around because the the Curse of Frankenstein was was kind of the beginning of that that trend. But whatever, I watched them both, and uh, in both both films featured uh, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee, and in both times Christopher Lee was the you know quote unquote monster. Although I guess in the case, the case of Curse of Frankenstein, I would argue that Cushing's actually the monster because Frankenstein is a real 
real bastard in that movie. <laughs> yeah, he's a yeah. Peter Cushing didn't get to play a, a full on villain a lot. Last week we talked about Twins of Evil, and in that movie he's definitely not a good guy, but his he he's not he he thinks he's doing the right thing. Yeah, like he thinks he's it's it's a different level of evil. Mm. Uh, Frankenstein and, and the Hammer Frankenstein is a prick. He's a right yeah. prick, and if you like. Curse of Frankenstein, I really recommend the other ones in the series because they get ridiculous. David Prowse plays the monster at one point. Uh, that's that's that sounds like a good casting. He's a he was a big man. He's a big big man. So, yeah. But did you like did you like those movies? Which one did you like more, Dracula or Frankenstein? I think I've always been more of a vampire fan, so I think I was really into uh, Drac. One thing that really struck me by by the the Hammer Dracula was just. The way the cast, it just, it didn't look like any other Dracula's castle I'd seen before. Like, it, yeah. it still had, it had a lot of mood to it, but, like, it was also kind of, like, it was kind of bright a little bit. Like, and, it, like, it had some some very interesting furniture, and it just, it wasn't like, I don't know. I guess when you when you think of Dracula, whether it's in a video game or in a movie, you tend to think of, like, really, like, impossibly old, like, almost falling apart, and just barely any light anywhere like lots of giant heavy doors and this one seemed more like no they they found like this castle looks like someone is actively living in there it just it just looks weird you know it just looks i mean it if we want to do video games because i'm a video game person it kind of reminded me of the um the version of castle dracula you see in uh, castlevania order of ecclesia which was just it had a lot okay. more <laughs> the deep cut yeah no hey i like that game a lot it had a lot more uh what was it curvature? Like there was like there was a lot of like twisty things, and there was a lot of books on the walls, <laughs> okay. and you know it was just I was really into that. And you know, I think Christopher Lee, who we're definitely going to talk about today, I think Christopher Lee also made it for a very good Dracula, both just in looks and in you know his voice. I think it was uh it was really cool, very different than you know Lugosi or uh, you know a lot of other guys who play it, and they just you know they do the whole. The whole accent stuff. Like I, I've also been watching a lot of uh, what we do in the shadows. The uh, okay, I never seen series. that. I heard it's good. Yeah, uh, it's if you're in Japan, it's on Disney Plus. I don't know about in America, but it's a Fox show, so it's Disney Plus here. And one of the funny things about that show is a lot of the people, some of the people play it, and they're doing the the classic sort of accent, and it's a little like <laughs> annoying. Um, yeah. But other other people, they just do their voice. Like Matt Berry on that. He, Matt Berry is just doing Matt Berry, and it's fantastic. You know. Okay. So I it was kind of neat. I I like how Christopher Lee just plays it. Like he just he's not doing any weird accent. Like he I'm just Christopher Lee, and you believe that I'm a power all powerful, uh, semi monstrous man because I look the part and I sound like I know what I'm doing. So like it just he sells it. He doesn't I need to do the the, blah, 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 blah. the the scene in in Dracula where you first see him post sucking blood, like fangs out, going ham. That is iconic for me, and that's why I think maybe I think the reason why people think of Dracula as the first Hammer horror film, even though it's Frankenstein's first, mm. is because it's better, and it's just it like Frankenstein is the is the appetizer, and Dracula is full hog. Let's go, and that movie is impeccable for me. It I I tell everybody to watch that. That is on in America. That's on HBO Max, and. So is Frankenstein. I recommend them both. If you want to watch today's movie, uh, Horror Express, that is on Shudder in America. I also um, found it on YouTube, just completely up. No, no, yeah. like, no, like weird back back masking. No weird, like, sort of you know, picture in picture stuff. It was just there. It's been there for years. So I don't know mm -hmm. if anyone's enforcing the copyright on this anymore. Yeah, I think <laughs> this movie has a, a muddy copyright. I, yeah. I don't know the the direct details of it because this used to be public domain. 
in America. Mm. So I don't know if Sev- I have a fantastic Blu-ray by Severin. Looks gorgeous with a lot of great special features. And I don't know if they had to go through any hoops to get it or if they just were like, fuck it, this is a good movie. So <laughs> because fuck it, it's a good movie. It is um, a good movie. How did you discover this movie? I'm curious because this is one you had seen before and you're the first person I've met who has seen this movie. So how do you, you seen this movie? Well, um, as I said, I've been watching a movie every day this year, which means, you know, as much as I can plan for it, as much as I can, as I can think ahead and like, oh, I want, let's see this, let's see this. So many days, so many days this year, I've just, I've clicked on an app and I'm like, what do we got? What do we got? And this one is, uh, it's on Amazon Prime in Japan. So when I was looking oh, okay. at, wow. <laughs> yeah, it is. They, I would say Amazon Prime in Japan actually has a decent selection of older films. Okay, um, I'll have to check I've, it out I've, I've seen. I've seen a couple films going back to the like the 20s and 30s and 40s on there, like not a lot, but a couple. So, um, yeah, I just happened upon this. I think you know the name is catchy. I think in, in Japanese it's pretty. It's I think they called it like Zombie Train or something or Zombie Tokyo <laughs> or you know they, they went for a little more literal, but like it had a catchy title. Like I, I obviously I knew the reputation of Christopher Lee and, and Peter Cushing going into it. And I was like, oh okay, I'll check this out. And you know, I had um, so yeah, I just I just watched it. You know just because I found it and I, I enjoyed it. And then when it came up later on your list and you said, Oh, I really want to do this episode. Like, I'll talk about this movie. I enjoyed it. So yeah. Cool. The Japanese title is uh zombie express to hell. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, which is my favorite, <laughs> my favorite Ozzy Osbourne song. Um, <laughs> yeah. I discovered that I, I discovered this when I was getting into Peter Cushing a couple years ago. Like I, we, my boyfriend and I had gone through the Hammer stuff, and we we got hooked. And so I went to Amazon. I typed up Peter Cushing, and uh, opened my wallet, <laughs> and I grabbed this one. And it's a bit different than the Hammer stuff. It's definitely a bit cheaper, mm. um, a little rough around the edges. But I really feel like this movie has a charm to it. That yeah, it, it's 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 cute. Like it's it's not scary. It's not there's not a lot of sex in it it's it's very like you know baby's first horror movie level of intensity but it's it's just a fun movie um and i wish more people see it which is why we're talking about it here but yeah you know before we talk about the cast we're not gonna do that much because peter cushing well i've already covered him yeah Uh, i did not know when i started researching this that i would be learning a lot about the hollywood blacklist (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah that was a surprise yeah so the director is Edwino Martin he's a Spanish this is a Spanish movie Spanish financed um, he made a ton of movies almost none of them are in English I don't know anything <laughs> about him maybe he's important I'm sorry um, the real people be- the real people behind this movie are the producer and the writers produced by a guy named Bernard Gordon who was a Hollywood screenwriter in the 40s and 50s made a, made a Tony Curtis movie called The Flesh and the Fury made a big Rock Hudson Western, which I kind of want to see, called mm. The Lawless Breed. But then he was called into the House of Un-American Activities because of his ties to some leftist stuff during the war, ignored his subpoena for a long time, took the subpoena, got fired by Warner Brothers, um, was an uncooperative witness, uncooperative witness, got blacklisted. Mm. Um. Ended up doing a lot of work under assumed names, which is a big thing that ha- people don't know that a lot. Um, he got he had a front. Have you are you familiar with the with this concept? 
Diamond. I know the movie. There's a movie called The Front, which I believe yeah. stars uh, reprehensible human Woody Allen. Yes. Uh, no. Yes. I don't want to talk about Woody Allen's alleged or unalleged bad things. Okay. I will say The Front is a very good movie. Okay. And even if you, you know, the whatever you think of Woody Allen, that movie's older than that. <laughs> so you, you, you can watch that movie and not feel like the people involved with it are working with somebody who everyone knows a bastard. It's un- well, that's, that's one of the yeah. rare movies that he just shows up in as an actor, right? I don't think he yeah, he's it. the star of that movie, but yeah. yeah. And everybody involved in that movie was blacklisted, also. Mm. And so, a front is somebody who takes credit and money to for other people's scripts who were, who were blacklisted. And he started he he did, he did a few things under an assumed name, but he also went to the front under an assumed name. He wrote a few B movies, one called Zombies of Mora Tau, which I really want to see. These mm. are all under the name Raymond T. Marcus. But uh, his most famous one there is Hellcats of the Navy, which is where Ronald Reagan met Nancy. <laughs> and that's the only love scene they have. And I mean love scene. I don't mean like, you know, not like fucking. But like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I well, mean, presu- presumably they did at least once because I know they have children. <laughs> yes, yes. But I mean, but that that's the only romantic scene. And apparently that was one of their favorite films to show in the White House. And. You know, Ronald Reagan did a lot of bad things, did some good things, was very wishy-washy, was a cooperative witness and kind of wishy-washy on the blacklist. Um, I will say, to his credit, he was very adamant that communism should not be illegal. So I'll say that much. But he was very adamant on, like, let's get these comments out of Hollywood, too. So, mm-hmm. But he did not know it was by a blacklisted writer. There's a great interview with uh, Bernard Gordon on the disc, and he's like... um. In the 80s, when he found out they were showing that, he, he, he wanted to make a hubbub, hubbub about it. But he's like, I, I've been in enough trouble. I thought I would <laughs> just let it go. But he worked with a guy named Philip Jordan a lot. And Philip Jordan was the front on Day of the Triffids and for a lot of other blacklisted writers. And Philip Jordan became a producer in Europe, and he brought Bernard Gordon with him. And they started producing and working on movies together post-blacklist when Gordon would use his real name again. And so he made a movie called 55 Days of Peking with David Niven and Charlton Heston, which looks terrible um, and really racist. Um, (laughs) The John Wayne circus movie, Circus World. Is that like Westworld? (laughs) I I don't don't know. (laughs) You know, we can debate. People can have sides on certain people who are quote unquote canceled. But fuck John Wayne. John Wayne sucks. Um, he made a movie about Custard with uh, Robert Shaw as Custard, which I kind of want to see. Although that's probably hella racist, too. And then he also wrote Krakatoa East of Java, which is always a funny one to me because Krakatoa is west of Java. Um, you know, geography's hard. But he produced only he produced three films in the 70s. This, something called Bad Man's River and Pancho Villa, which stars Telly Savalas, who we'll get to later. And mm. Pancho Villa had a really expensive train set, like a tra- not a, not a toy train set, like a set that was a train. Right. And they're like, we should use that again. Make a movie with a train, and that's where this comes from. And joining him on here is Armand. Dis- How do you say that? Armand. That looks French. So Armand yeah. Dussault, maybe yes. Dussault, perhaps. He, also a blacklisted writer. He lived with Zero Mastel, <laughs> who. If anybody knows, was the 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 one of the characters in P- the producers? Yeah, um, God, one of my favorite movies of all time. 
What and he's an amazing comedic. And if you want to see an amazing performance by an actor, watch The Front and watch Zero Mostel basically playing himself. Mm. And there's a scene in that. He's a funny guy who gets blacklisted. And there's a scene in that where he gets stiffed for doing a cat skills routine. And just the look of absolute rage on that man's face is ab- utterly incredible. Um, but Armand, Armand and uh, Julian Zemet are the other writers on here. Uh, they're both blacklisted, like I said. Julian Zemet wrote some Gene Autry films. He became a, a novelist. They went back to Holly- back to writing scripts. Um, but they both wrote this and another movie produced by the same people called Psychomania. That sounds um, sounds great. <laughs> Psychomania is rad. I should add that to my list. That is also called Death Wheelers. That's about zombie bikers. Now, when I'm not like flesh eating zombie, more like like they're more like ghosts that happen to have flesh. Like they're undead. Okay. You know? They're not really vampires. They're not really ghosts. They just they're dead and they're not dead. Um, mm. And they're a bunch of British chav biker zombies. <laughs> great, great great fucking movie but i just thought it was really fascinating that all these people kind of came together to make something work after the american government fucked them over in europe you know in, in, in europe yeah and in america too like i think it took them a while to get there but yeah it was a really fascinating thing you wanted to point out the music well yeah because when the first when you first sit down and watch this movie i think after the whistling stops like then the music just kicked in <laughs> um it's got a great sound to it. So I looked up the composer. I was just fascinated. So this guy, uh, where I put it here? Uh, John Kakavas? Kakavas? I don't know. C-A-C-A-V-A-S. Yes, let's say Kakavas. Yeah. So amongst the European names here, this is an American guy from South Dakota. Represent. Yeah. Wikipedia says he met Telly Savalas while he was working in London, and that's how he got this job, because this is his first movie. Like, he had been doing... He had been making music before this, but he this was his first movie, like a film score. And then after this, he apparently moved to Hollywood and he just did a ton of television work, including for Telly Savalas again. He made the second theme to Kojak. Kojak had two themes for its in its during its runtime. And he made the second, and in my opinion, much wilder theme song. If you go on YouTube, you can find these uh, find this music. And I'll put a then, I'll put a snippet in right now. Yeah. So I, I honestly, looking over his, his his filmography, I didn't see anything else that stood out to me. But I think when you watch this movie, I think the music really uh, it stands out in my opinion. It's it doesn't sound like any other movies of the time. And uh, I mean, for, when I first watched this, I think probably you know a few months ago, I probably assumed it was Italian just because of the era and the <laughs> yeah, general look yeah. of the film. Uh, but you know, not to sound racist, but like Spain, Italy, seventies, everyone kind of <laughs> looks, you know. Everyone seems to have the same haircut. You know, I, I feel like I was not that far off. <laughs> and very big collars. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he has a very small role in this, but I don't think there's anybody else in the crew we can really talk about. Let's let's start with Telly Savalas. Sure. Because Telly Savalas is fun. Um, I don't know what... I haven't seen a ton of stuff with him in it, but everything I've seen, I love. Mm. I love him in it. He's just, Yeah. He, 
and I always feel like he's not really the world's greatest actor. I think he just kind of does. He's Tully Savalas. Yeah, well, in looking up in looking up him up for the show, I was, I was really interested. I did not know this about him. I mean, first of all, he has more than anything. I mean, obviously, he has a look, but he also he has oh, yeah. a great he has a great voice, right? Yeah, baby. And and there's a reason for that because apparently he started off in radio. He was doing a lot of radio work, and then. He transitioned from radio to television. So he initially he was working in television, but not like on camera. He was like behind the camera. He was doing like executive stuff. He was working for ABC. Huh. Uh, Wikipedia says he hired Howard Cosell at ABC, which is like Howard Cosell had a very long career as a sportscaster at ABC. Crazy. And it wasn't until later, like in his late 30s, that he started doing on camera stuff because I don't know. It said I read an anecdote that he, he recommended a friend for a job and the friend couldn't show up. But then he showed up because he had... Um, he gets his name, by the way, so everyone knows him as Telly Savalas. According to Wikipedia, his his birth name is Aristotelus. Aristotelus Savalas. That's a better name. It is. It's pretty badass. <laughs> I know it doesn't fit in a marquee, but that's pretty badass as the name goes. Mm-hmm. And so he was, you know, he has, his his parents were like Greek-Greek. Like he was, he was like first generation. <laughs> yeah, no and shit. <laughs> so he like, you know, he, he knew how to do, he knew how to speak in, with an accent. So apparently he had some... He recommended for friends for some job and he showed up, he did the accent and everyone's like, oh, you're good at this. And so that's how he got started. And then it took took years, but then eventually he got more and more work. He started doing a lot of movies in the 60s. And before this movie, actually, he got a very prestigious role. 1969, he is Blofeld oh, in, yeah. Ma- in On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is, you know, a.k.a. the Lazenby Bond, the one that Sean Connery didn't show up for, but then came back to do the next one. And A.k.a. a fantastic movie. It is very good. <laughs> And, yes. you know, up, he's not the first blow. At, you know, they, at that point, they were basically casting a new, new actor for Blofeld every movie. I don't mm-hmm. I, No one seemed to be able to do it more than once. And most Blofelds before this had been pretty British. You know, you had Donald Pleasance. Yeah. You had uh, Charles. Charles? I think it's Charles Gray, I think. Yeah, Charles and, Gray. Yeah. Max von Sydow later, right? Yeah. And yeah, he did. Yeah, he did, <laughs> that, he did that one in the 80s. But um Tully Savalas just show up and he's like, I'm, no, I'm Tully Savalas. I'm, I'm here. I'm not British. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he's just he's just playing it. And he's also playing. I mean, I don't know if I'm the best person to speak to this, but I feel like Tully Savalas has a lot of um, sexual energy. Like, I feel like he's. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tully Savalas has big dick energy. Yeah. OK, that's and the word I'm looking for. I'm yes. not a huge fan of that phrase because I feel like it's kind of a strange phrase and kind of mean to, you know, and it has issues. But when I think of when I think of the phrase big dick energy, that doesn't mean the guy has a big dick. That means the guy acts like he has the biggest dick in the room mm. and it matters to him. Yeah. <laughs> and Telly Savalas in this movie has big dick energy and in everything because it's just like he's the most confident man in the world. Yeah, I mean, when we int- okay, first of all, he doesn't show up in this movie until like it's a ninety-seven minute movie. He shows up around the one hour mark. No, no forecasting. No, like, oh, we need to see this man. We need to see. No, no, no. He first appears an hour into this movie. What is he doing? He's in bed with a woman in his office. Like, yeah, people are doing yeah. work. People are doing work, and they're like they're reading like telegrams or whatever. And then he's he, he like he shouts from off camera. Is like, are you just? Are you just sticking someone down in the office while people are yeah. like doing their business? What? My God, <laughs> he is. He is. He yeah. But really quick, the movie is about a monster on a train. Yes, <laughs> that's what we'll get there. And he plays a Kozak, a Kozak captain. Um, 
because the train is a Trans-Siberian Express kind of, and yeah. um, shit goes bad later. But yeah, he just he he's just banging some girl, and there's a scene where he shows up on the train, grabs a glass of whiskey or whatever vodka, grabs it, goggles it, throws the gra- glass on the ground, <laughs> like oh he's great in a movie with two of my all-time favorite actors ever. Telly Savalas steals every scene he's in. Yeah, he's not. Um, he's not. He doesn't show up until the third act, but the third yeah. act is like is a good like I want to say seventy percent Telly Savalas. <laughs> yes, yes, and he's very good in it. Uh, I will say my Telly Savalas experience uh, is primarily a film that I will definitely have on this podcast someday called Pretty Maids All in a Row, which came out. Uh, let me. When did that come out? T- um, once I have too many windows open. Uh. Pretty Maids All in a Row is probably the, the early 70s. Um, that is 71. And okay. Pretty Maids All in a Row is a... Okay. I can't... I'm glad... This is, for people listening, this is my first podcast where I can see the other person, and I'm happy I get to see your reaction here. It is a high school murder mystery where Rock Hudson plays a guidance counselor who sleeps with the high school girls, and it was written and produced... Written, oh, written, Runberry! Yes, Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> yes, okay. You said the title. You said creepy sex stuff. I'm like, oh man, is this that Gene Roddenberry movie? It is that Gene Roddenberry movie. <laughs> yes, and it is great. It is. It is. It is the most canceled movie. This movie is not on Blu-ray. I have to imagine for reasons. Um, <laughs> and it has Rock Hudson as a philandering high school guidance counselor who sleeps with all students. Um, Andy Dickinson is the substitute teacher who sleeps with one of her students. Um, Dickinson, yeah. Yeah, Dickinson. She's Dickinson's. Um, <laughs> Telly Savalas. Andy Dickinson is gorgeous in this movie. Um, uh, I believe you. I believe you. Uh, Keenan yeah. Wynn is there um, as a police chief. Um, Telly Savalas is basically playing Kojak before Kojak came out. Hmm. And uh, has James Duhon <laughs> is there for like five minutes. And um, Roddy McDowell as the foppish principal. All um, right, that sounds. Like w- and then we must have brought this up during the last time we talked about Roddy McDowell. Then that sounds like a that sounds like he's probably a, a beacon of wonderful light in a movie that's probably disgraceful. <laughs> no, I love that movie. You um, love the movie. Okay, I love that movie. It is. It is. It's the kind of movie you got to watch it. Like when 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 people get really mad at something that happened when, when a celebrity did something gross in the seventies. Um. And people try to have the excuse, it was a different time. That doesn't excuse a lot of behavior, but yo, it was a different time. And you could make this movie, and people are like, this is fine. Yeah, sure. Yeah, whatever. Um, I recommend it if you can find a copy. Warner did it on DVD a few years ago, like a made-to-order DVD. Um, I, 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 if this ever gets a Blu-ray release, it will not be Warner. They will license it and they will wipe their hands. Um, <laughs> but I recommend that. But yeah, Telly Savalas is great in that. He's basically playing Kojak. Um, we should probably say what Kojak is because that show oh, aired. That show ended like forty-five years ago. <laughs> yeah, what is Kojak? It's a sort of you know, it's a rough detective '70s show. I think you know there, a lot of actors had this had the same show for them. I think just made for them, and I think. Based on his career, Telly Savalas had, you know, had just become a star at that point. So he got he got his own show. And honestly, you watch it and he's he's looking kind of old in it, but he's just a, apparently he's a guy. He's running around New York. He's he's a tough guy. Um, 
He had a thing with lollipops, which is, is so weird to me. I cannot believe this was a thing, but it's like, yeah, this character like rolls around and he's got a gun. And he's a tough guy, but also he loves fucking lollipops. He loves sucking on them. He loves pointing them at people. He says, who loves your baby? Like he's who got this. Baby? Yeah. It's a really weird thing. So like for me, you know, I'm a child of the seventies. I've never seen a single episode of Kojak and yet still growing up in the eight, you know, growing up as a child, I knew Telly Savalas was Kojak. I knew those two names. I knew them back and front. I knew exactly who that was. It's just that's how, how, how big it was. I never saw I, it, but I knew who it was. I have seen, I, I, when I was a kid, I know I saw some of the TV movies because they bought them back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. A lot like Columbo. Um, Kojak is a Columbo who will kick your ass. Yeah. Yeah, yes. he's definitely, he's a fighting type. Fighting and I will type. also say that Telly Savalas released five albums. Um... Maybe right now I'll snip in his cover of You've Lost That Love and Feeling. Um, it makes me just feel like crying. Because, baby, something beautiful is dying. You've lost that love and feeling. Oh, that love and feeling. And there was a great quote one time. Uh, his albums are terrible, from, from all things considered. Apparently, he had a number one single in the UK, though, because the UK will fucking let anyone have a number one single. There was a great, great quote. Someone asked him, why did you release so many records? And he said, because they let me. <laughs> and what I think is very telling. So yeah, but that's 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 that's, a, that's some telling telly. But yeah, I think you want to do a quote. Also, I like, I, yeah, I like this quote too. Uh, he gave it to someone, you know, because he was working a lot, you know, in, in Europe it, before he sort of came back to America to to make it big here. And his quote is, oh, yeah. <laughs> "I could have stayed in Europe and made Italian movies, but I discovered the big difference between an Italian movie and American movie is that in the American movie you get paid." Yes, <laughs> that is true. Um, but the real star of this film, there are two stars. Peter Cushing's here. We'll talk about him in a little bit. I already covered him last episode. But I think the main the main star of this film is Christopher Lee. Oh, Christopher Lee. Yes. In a, so, in a, in a not so rare, but rarer than you'd think hero role. Like, yeah, he's a good he's, guy. It's weird because, you know, I'd say for a good chunk of the first act, he's very, he's acts very suspicious and protective. And you think he's, you think he might be up to some shenanigans. But he's really, a prick. Yeah. He's, he's he's definitely yeah he's definitely uh, you know overly confident and and self self centered but ultimately when when he sort of comes to terms with what he thinks is happening he tries to do the good do the right thing and and he's not he's not working with the monster and he's not the monster and he never no. you know he never collaborates with the monster he put the monster on the train but he didn't know it was a monster at the time yes yes he is a monster he thought it was dead <laughs> he thought, I mean was, we should also mention that yo this movie is a thing like it's the story. Yes. So the thing came out. The, the there's the fifties the version of the thing. It's based on a short story. This movie has a lot, a lot in common with the thing. Um, the the writer of the of that story who goes there. Um, I forgot the name of that writer. He is and so did the people who made this movie because he is not credited. <clears throat> um, and but yeah, he, Chris, Christopher Lee plays an Arctic explorer or, or a Siberian explorer. Yes. finds this fossil. They take it to the train. It, it thaws out and it does thing shit. Um, pretty much. And Christopher Lee is great in this. Uh, 
Christopher Lee is a is an actor that I cannot properly discuss on this podcast because we'll be here forever. Yes. Um, well, let's just let's just set aside you know thirty to fifty minutes and just talk about his career <laughs> <laughs> for a week. Um, yeah. I have seen forty one Christopher Lee films, um, which is not entirely accurate because for some reason Letterbox thinks that he's in Fright Night, but he is not in Fright Night. Mm. Um, but I have seen for about forty Christopher Lee films, and oh, they they fixed that. He's not there anymore for a while. For for some reason, it would, Fright Night would show up when I had Christopher Lee. Um, but that is thirteen percent of his filmography. Yeah, I'm I'm only at five percent. But a few months ago, I think I was only at four percent. So I'm I'm getting there. I, I should by the time I'm by the time I'm his age, as in dead, uh, I should be up to like fifty percent. <laughs> well, I'm not going to do that because he's in a lot of crap. Um, <laughs> I, I mean. The, those Hobbit films are not even in, in the bottom 10% of the movies he was in. Uh, he is in Howling 2, mm. Your Sister's a Werewolf, which he did. Only the, the only reason he's in Howling 2 is because he always wanted to be in a werewolf movie. Because when he was at Hammer, he was never in the werewolf movies. But mm. as we said, he is he is the Dracula. He is, he is the Hammer Dracula. He is the go-to British bad guy. Um, he is rad and he's maybe my second favorite actor after peter cushing um because i think peter cushing's hotter but that's just me (laughs) he's he's just a tremendous presence on camera off camera you just hear him speak you know it's him he's uh i I know you're a very tall man james but you know for me (laughs) as someone who's not tall i see him as a giant you know uh i'm sure for you he's like you know nothing but um, no, he's. I mean, he's skinny. He's a, he's skinny tall, and that can be scary. Okay. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. I, go ahead. I did this research. You've done this so many times in your show. I did the research this time. So mm. he was born. In, he was born in 1922. He passed away in 2015. Yeah. And he had at least one credit, usually more than one, but he had at least one credit every year from 1948 mm-hmm. until his death. And there were, of course, he made stuff that came out after his death too. So like mm-hmm. he. Never, ever, ever stopped working. He had sort of a low, a low period. I want to say. I feel like the eighties and nineties were not great yeah. for him. Um, <laughs> you know, he's definitely his profile sank down. Like you see, but again, he never stopped. Like he's in Gremlins too. That's my first Christopher Lee movie. Yeah, I prob- it was probably mine too. I, I sh- I'm sure I did yeah. not know who he is. Yeah, me uh, <laughs> he he started working for Tim Burton in very small roles, and they got more and more larger as he as he sort of had his his late his late life resurgence, but like he like plays it. Like he's got like a one-off scene in um, sleepy hollow as a judge. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure he sends uh, Ichabod crane to, to sleepy hollow. He's like, I need you to go upstate New York. Are you by two days by horse, you know? And then a few, a few movies later, he's playing Willy Wonka's father in a stupid ass role. Um, <laughs> so I, that movie is weird. And I know it has some qualities, but to me, it's like, if you're going to build a movie like, oh, we're going to remake this movie and be more true to the book. Meanwhile, here's a character who's not in the book. <laughs> His evil dentist yeah. father, played by Christopher Lee. <laughs> like, what the hell, man? Anyway. Yeah, go ahead. But yeah, I mean, Christopher Lee has done so many wonderful things. Honestly, you know, you talked about this is uh, one of four films that he made that came out in 1972. Uh, according, to your, according to Wikipedia, this is number 112 in his career. But the very next year, 1973, he makes The Wicker Man, which I feel like is one oh, of his man. 
one of his best known. And certainly he, according to his interviews, he says it's his favorite movie like that he made. Um, and that was definitely, that was a movie I watched in the early days of like Netflix, like by mail Netflix. And that movie, God, that fucked me up. That was it's a movie great I, movie. That's a movie like I watched alone in my apartment. And I just like, when it was over, I was like, what the hell did I just watch? Oh my God. <clears throat> yeah. That's a fantastic film. Um, that's probably his best one of, of that era. I would say mm. like uh, in 1972, he's credited with three films. Um, Dracula 1972, which I love, but that's a corny piece of shit. Mm. And he has a cameo in a film called Deathline, which is about a cannibal monster living in the London tube. And the police detective is Donald Pleasance. That is probably Donald Pleasance's best role. Um, And they only have one scene together. And I remember Donald Pleasance tells Christopher Lee to go fuck to, um, to basically says, fuck you. <laughs> and I believe I believe Christopher Lee says something to the effect of with great veracity, I will. <laughs> like, um, it is an amazing scene. Deathline's a great movie. Um, if you can find a copy of that one. It's also it's also called Raw Meat. Um, <laughs> but that's a that's a gooder, and again, that is that is some peak pleasance, and Christopher Lee in his one scene is steals the movie. So You know, I think I, I found the absolute uh encapsulation of what what could happen to christopher lee in the 80s and 90s mm -hmm. he appeared in the last police academy movie mission to moscow <laughs> yeah that's that's <laughs> and that again that's probably not his worst movie probably I saw not movie... but like it's just I'm, I'm sure he's he's probably got a small part I, I, I would imagine i'm sure he just shows up as as someone in the kremlin who who you know because that's the thing christopher lee was a man you know if you look at the timeline again born 1922 died 2015 worked throughout his life you know, was a soldier in World War II, absolutely murdered Nazis. Yeah. Uh, There's a, a very famous story. So, you know, he gets to be Lord of the Rings. Apparently, like, A, he met J.R.R. Tolkien, the only guy involved in that movie who actually met J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah. So, you know, he loved those books. Apparently, he read them every year of his life. He always wanted to be Gandalf. Like, he wanted to be the wizard, right? But by the time Peter Jackson makes that movie, well, he's almost 80 years old. Chris Lee cannot run around and, and, you know, ride horses and do, and fight a Balrog. He can't do that anymore. So he takes the role of Saruman, which is a lot less physical, but still very intimidating. And he's great at Saruman in those movies. Very small, you know, it's a very small role, but like, it's all voice. It's all glaring. Mm -hmm. And I, I know when I watched the movie, I was like, Jesus Christ, this wizard is terrifying. Mm -hmm. And famously you can watch on YouTube. He's behind the scenes and Peter Jackson's, you know, they're doing some shots and, and uh, someone gets stabbed in the back. And Peter Jackson's directing this actor like, oh, you're going to stab in the back. I want, you know, ah, and Christopher <laughs> Lee is like, that's not what happens when you stab a man in the back. And <laughs> it's just like, Peter Jackson's like, I didn't press. I just took, I took, I, I figured he, he knows what he's talking about. And I took his advice because it's like, yeah, he was in World War II. He was in the intelligence agency. He absolutely stabbed Nazis in the back. That's what, that's one of the things he probably did, you know? Yes. Fucking um, um, and it was a metal album. Yeah, metal. He made he made albums. He was yeah. He did he did voice work. You know all those late all those late ugh, all those late roles he took on like Saruman. He played Saruman in almost every video game that Saruman would appear in. Yeah, you know he showed up in Star Wars, which Count Dooku is not like a great role. Those movies aren't fantastic, but again, he's goddamn intimidating as an evil Sith. You know he shows up, he points his lightsaber. I'm like that guy could that guy could use a force on me. He would he would yeah. yeah. He's good in those movies. He's good yes, in those movies. Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, um, he could he could he could get a good role from Christopher from George Lucas. That's saying something. Like he could yeah. act good in a George Lucas film. It's kind of wild. It's kind of wild that in in like back to back there, he comes back. You know, Saruman is is in the first movie. That's two thousand. Lord of Rings is two thousand one, and uh, Attack of the Clones is two thousand two. Like all of a sudden, those two movies back to back, and he's a force again. And really, until his passing, he was he was just as famous as he ever was until his passing. Yeah, yeah. legend um, man. But I also have to mention this is just so wild to me. So mm-hmm. he is related. Was he was related to Ian Fleming by marriage, mm-hmm. not by blood. Yeah, so yeah, he knew Ian Fleming when they started to make those James Bond movies into books. He almost got cast as Doctor No, which is like almost kind of a yikes because you know Doctor No is supposed to be Chinese, but still, and not a very good movie. Yeah, he almost got that part, didn't get it. But then you know, about ten years later, about two years after this movie, I want to say seventy four, I believe, he gets to play the man with the golden gun. And mm-hmm. I'll be honest, a lot of people don't like that movie. They say it's a bad Roger Moore movie. I disagree. I like that movie a lot. I think it's very fun. And I think it's a big part of it is because Christopher Lee is there and he is a very uh, enjoyable villain. You know, he's he's not really I mean, he kills people. OK, he's the man with the golden gun. He has a golden gun. He shoots people with it. That's what he does. But he's not like <laughs> he's not looking to rule the world. He's not like an evil person. He's just like I, as he puts it, like I played a dark version of James Bond, like he's a professional yeah. killer, but he does it for money. He lives on a private island. He has Herbert Villachez as his manservant. He Mike has a, Coles. Yeah, he's got a he's got like a, his own personal funhouse that he has assassins come into and try and kill him, but he kills them. And really, what I'm saying is, Telly Savalas and Christopher Lee, both in this movie, both tried to kill James Bond and they both failed. But at least Telly Savalas killed his wife, so he missed, but he hit someone else. Well, you know, <laughs> I want to talk really quick before we move on. We talk about Christopher Lee murdering people. Uh, I want to talk about how he saved someone's life because he saved Pretty Cushing's life. Yes, by that's, ma- an, by, that's an amazing story. Please by share making that. this movie, by making this movie. So as I talked about, this is the movie Peter Cushing made. This movie after Twins of Evil, hmm. and as people who listen to that episode know, that is right when his wife died. And hmm. Peter Cushing, as I said before, was absolutely crushed after his wife passed and never fully recovered. And as the director of this movie tells it, Peter Cushing being, uh, being the ultimate professional he was flew to the location. I think it was Spain (coughs) just to tell the director. He wasn't going to make the movie. Wow. I can't make it. I'm too depressed. I'm, I I just want to go home. And Christopher Lee was there. And I think Christopher Lee realized that Peter Cushing was most likely suicidal. And Christopher Lee talked him into staying. He's like, no, we'll have fun. It's, it's, it'll be fun. We get to work together. Come on, you can stay. He, he, st- he slept in his bed with Peter Cushing. Wow. Um, to make sure he'd be okay. And he kind of held him together during this time and then got him through the worst of it so Peter Cushing could recover. And Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing were, were very, very good friends. Um, and just, it was, it's, it's a very hard, a heartbreaking but very wonderful story and um he said that there's, there's that quote on wikipedia about when peter cushing died and um he's like after peter cushing died there's nothing like that in your life ever again like they were mm. they were very good friends and you can see it in this movie and you can see in this movie they're having fun oh like, yeah because this is a silly movie and i feel like 
they are they're kind of hamming it up. They're having a good time, and I feel I I have to, I hope and I pray that the best line in this film, which I'm sure you know what it is. You know, d- do you know what I'm talking about, Diamond? The monster line? No, th- yeah, yeah, we're British. Um, yes, exactly. I feel like that line. Ha- I hope it was improv. I hope somebody thought of it. When you watch that scene carefully, you can see Christopher Lee smiling. Because um, Peter Cushing is accused of being... Spoiler. Peter Cushing is, the, the, someone is accusing Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee of being the monster. And Peter Cushing's response, oh, we're British, you know. <laughs> like, we can't be the monster. We're British. Maybe racist, but funny. Um but yeah, this, those, those two together, they do a lot of films together uh, where they're, they're not both just evil, or one of them mm. is evil. Uh, the Gorgon is a good one, and The Skull are two other ones I recommend if you want to see them together, kind of having a, a, good, a, a good old time. Uh, some good stuff there. But I think The Gorgon is Hammer. I don't believe The Skull is. The Skull is, is a small... I think it's, it's, I think it's, uh, it's, an, it's Amicus. Amicus is B. Hammer. Um, but but still a good movie. I, I recommend them both. Anyway, uh, maybe we should move on and start uh, talking about this movie. Sure. If that's okay with you. Yeah. So, spoilers. Again, it's easy to find, apparently. It's on YouTube. <laughs> um, if you want to watch it legally, it's on Shudder. Um, but maybe the YouTube's legal. I don't know. I, I, the copyright is is uh, nebulous, to say, the, to, say, to say the least. But I don't know how, how, like, I think this movie starts good. With that music. Yeah. Yes. And Christopher Lee, like this kind of hanging out in, a, in in the most fake looking cave ever. Yeah. So I think we should talk about the sets. I mean, you mentioned the train. You mentioned the train stuff. I think the train oh, set yeah. is good. I think the model train is, is pretty good. It took me a few. It took me a few uh, moments to realize the train was a model and not just, you yes. know, sh- shooting an actual train. My and one when it's an actual. Tra- sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm just saying there's a lot of model shots of a train. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure they have a train at some point, but like there's a lot of model shots because certainly where the movie ends, it's a model shot. Um, oh, yes, yes. Yeah. My one gripe with this is that wherever they've made these sets, which is probably somewhere in, in Europe, it's the movie starts and they're, they're taking the chain from uh, from Shanghai back to Europe. Mm-hmm. So this, the opening of the movie is this train station that's supposed to be in Shanghai. And the set dressing this has got to be some of the worst kanji I've ever seen. It's just yeah, I, me- I meant to ask my boyfriend, but I had, didn't get a chance to see him. So you're pretty good at kanji. You're good at kanji. You can read kanji. I mean, I'm just saying there's a big sign that says, I, I know what Shanghai looks like. I-, I-, I, can't- I can't read Chinese, but I know what the kanji for Shanghai looks like. I've seen it at the airport. I know what Shanghai looks like. And when you see the sign for Shanghai in, in Chinese, like at the station, I, I actually screen capped it. I'm like, this is, that's, that's, that's dreadful. That looks like a child wrote it. Come on. But it, um, it, it is is it correct in this bad handwriting? No, it's 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 the right characters, but it just it just it's I mean, it just looks terrible. It's like if you know what those characters are supposed to look like, it's all like it's all misshapen. It's all it's like it's like looks like someone melted it. It's you know, it just it's dreadful. <laughs> um, I, 
Yeah, I want to point out that, that that miniature is great. Apparently, that miniature was huge. And also, apparently, Christopher, Peter Christopher liked to play with it. <laughs> well, just recently, we, that video went around. You said you already yeah. saw it. There was a video of Peter Cushing uh, basically playing with, like, minifigures, you know, like painting yeah. figures and war, war, like war soldiers. And so it's like, I guess that was that was a fun hobby for him. So yeah. makes sense. Oh, let's let's play with the trade. Yeah, he, was, he was big into painting, too, and painting figures and also just painting, painting. But so, yeah, Christopher Lee finds this fossil. They go to this train station. That train station set is amazing, though. Like the condi might be bad, but the, the full size train and this giant room, like that's mostly a set. Um, yeah, it has to be because the, the Chinese it, is really fake. <laughs> yeah, and it looks great. It it looks like a big budget movie because again, most of that was used for a different movie. And that's when you get first get to see Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing and just how different their characters are. Uh, Christopher Lee was promised a, a train ticket, didn't get it, and he's bol- kind of trying to bully the 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 station manager and be like, I say, good sir, how dare you? And then Peter Cushing shows up with some money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Peter Cushing, yeah, Peter Cushing as Dr. We should say, so Peter Cushing plays Dr. Wells yeah. and Christopher Lee plays uh, oh, Alexander Saxton. So very yes, good, Professor, Wells Saxton, yeah. very good British names. Yeah. And yeah, so Wells just shows up and Wells just, just bribes him. Like, yeah, yeah, here, I, I'm just going to pay you. And Christopher Lee just seems like, he seems so offended by it, like that's corruption. And his response to that is just take the take basically almost up in the station manager's desk and just throw everything on the floor. And it's it's like he doesn't say anything. He just smashes things around. And you know, again, Christopher Lee has Big got, probably got a foot on this guy. So he like he absolutely is, like towers over him. And then some soldiers show up and like and then this is like oh oh I found your ticket on the floor and I'm like oh my yeah. god he, just he takes <laughs> he takes his umbrella and he uses his umbrella to sweep the desk clean yeah and just he towers over this little little man uh, <laughs> it's a good it's some good shit and then somebody is found dead right outside the fossil and their eyes are blank with what looks like incredibly painful contact lenses. Or sclera lens? What do you call those? You said. Well, I think they're called. You, you pointed out that the, the actors couldn't see in them, and I think many many years ago when I watched uh, Evil Dead with commentary, and I don't know which one because I know the Evil Dead has been released so many times on on disc now. But <laughs> yes. one of those commentary tracks, I believe it was Bruce Campbell talking about you know having to wear these contact lenses, and he called them sclera lenses. Now it's weird if you Google sclera, you get a lot of scleral with an L at the end lenses, which apparently has something to do with like putting eye drops in. That's not it. It's sclera with no L at the end, and they're just they're opaque. They're completely opaque, and the idea is you yeah. put them in your eyes, and it's when you want your eyes to be a completely different color. So, like in Evil mm-hmm. Dead, when they you know when they get possessed, the, their pupils are gone. So they put those lenses in there, and you know the way Bruce Campbell told the story, they were so big and so uncomfortable, yes. you couldn't see anything, and you had to like take them out after fifteen minutes, or like you might go blind. Yeah. Um, so Michael I Jackson had to use them in Thriller. Pro- yeah, exactly. So yeah. they're probably using something similar in this movie because once when the when the monster kills people, there's some blood on their face and then their eyes go blank. And so they're probably wearing that same stuff. And also when the monster is in people, their eyes are totally red, but they're also glowing. So that might be like a mask. I don't know. But only at night, only yeah. in the darkness that like the, the eyes glow. So you find out pretty quick like this monster. Like, I think going scene by scene is kind of silly because not a lot happens in a lot of the movie. The monster is, can basically, it's like the thing, but with his eyes. Right. <laughs> if so he, like, if, yeah, go ahead. 
He's got, he's sitting in, yeah. So, so basically Christopher Lee brings this fossil back to the train. And so this, the thing basically is inside the fossil. And the first victim is this guy who, by the way, I got to say this Asian actor, he looks very familiar to me. The credits give him a, the credits give him a Japanese name, but I, according to like no other credits for him exist under, under this movie. So I don't know if that was his real name or not. He looks familiar to me, but maybe, I don't know. Um, the, the, anyway. the really, really ugly thief. Okay, he didn't strike me as ugly, but okay. I, I, he had bad haircut, bad haircut, bad okay. suit, bad haircut, bad suit. That's a that's a one two. That's a that's a strike. That's two strikes for me. But go on. But the gimmick is he's a thief, so he picks the lock of the case, and the monster kills him. And so what happens a few a few oh, scenes yeah. later? A few scenes later, the monster is able to reach out and pick his own lock because you realize what happens is when the monster kills you, it basically sucks everything out of your brain, not physically, but like. Mentally. So all the energy yeah. comes from you. So it knows everything you know. So when it killed the locks, lock pick thief, it knows how to pick locks. When it kills the conductor later on, it knows how to drive the train. You know, mm. when it kills anyway, it kills a, uh, the, the count at some point, And then it knows all about his super secret steel, which is really not a plot point at all. But he talks about <laughs> it like it's important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then later on, you also discover that if the, if the thing is cornered and the you shoot the monster a lot, it can just jump into another person and that person becomes the monster. Yeah, and that's so the it, thing. The thing yeah, aspect of it. It's yeah. got the, It's got, so apparently it can take all of you into it, and it can and put all of itself into you. So it's very flexible. <laughs> I've been. To, I that sounds like a, a bar I've been to. Anyway, <laughs> um, I I had I, I there were so many jokes there I can't say. Um, put all of myself into somebody else. Okay, and on the train there are some interesting characters. There's the countess, and I think that's her brother. I don't, I don't think are they a couple. I mean, older man, younger woman makes sense to me, especially, to especially if he's rich. You know, he's a count. Yeah. He's a countess. I just, to me, it's so funny. She walks into the baggage car. I looked it up. She is, play, the actor is, the actor is 25 years old. She looks at Christopher Lee, literally twice her age, and she just immediately decides that he can get it. You know? She's hey, like, you oh, know, hello. Relatable. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, if it, I, I mean, this is 1972. Most people at that age in 1972 did not look as good as Christopher Lee is. Christopher Lee looks Ooh. good in this movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Looks great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, yeah, my, it's just funny fun to me that literally twice her age, she's like, Oh, hello. <laughs> yeah. My, I was watching this with a, with a woman, woman friend and she laughed at that, but then she was like, you know, <laughs> she's not wrong. Yeah. So there's that. I, I like how they have basically as their spiritual advisor, Rasputin. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is so goddamn weird and it's also so wild to me that he basically from the start of the movie he's playing the guy and a guy who's like oh your science means nothing because god 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 and then as soon as he discovers the monster and discovers who the monster is and he believes the monster to be satan <laughs> he immediately switches sides he's like oh what? yes hail satan he you know you want to make your jokes he says come into me satan <laughs> yes i i am shocked rob zombie has not sampled this movie um that 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 dude is great. That is a guy named Alberto de, Man de Mendoza, who passed away in 2011. He was Argent uh, Argentine, um, Argentinian, yeah, Argentinian. Thank you. Um, I have seen him in a few films. Apparently, he is in Open. No, I haven't seen Open Season yet. He is in um, what is the one I saw him in? The Case of the Scorpion's Tail which is a gallo by Sergio Martino. So it's not very good. Um, but 
I, I know I've seen that, and I'm looking at his, his credits now. I think that's about it. He was in a, a, probably over 100 movies, but I would imagine almost all of them were never released in English-speaking countries. So there's that. But he's great in this. He's just like – you don't get a lot of sycophants for Satan. <laughs> and he's just like, yo, man, what do you need me to do? What do you need? What do you need? You what? You want you want me to kill somebody? You want me to do this? You want me to do this? You, you want me to you want to possess my body and literally kill me? What one, thing that, one thing that I find is so funny. So when they start analyzing the monster and they they realize how it works, they analyze it because they find some of the, they get its eye. They pick it. They find its eye on the ground. Oh, this is the best stupid dumb science in any. Movie. And they they poke the eye. They put the they put some some fluid under a microscope, <laughs> and they literally see what the monster saw. And so in a flash, they see. The police inspector, who uh, was was the, the guy who shot the monster. Yes. Then they see two dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. Then they literally see the Earth. And like, oh, well, then he came from outer space. Whereas the monk guy is like, oh, he he, he fell from heaven. That means he is truly Satan. So like, they, there's so many leaps of logic. And it's like, no one's wrong, but they're all so sure they're right. You know, Christopher Lee sees that like, oh, he must be an alien. And the guy's like, oh, he must be Satan falling, falling to the Earth. And like. Really, both of you might be right. I don't know. I mean, the way the police inspector acts later, you get the sense that he wants to go back to space. So he's probably an alien. Like he's asking people, he asks people very specific questions about like rockets and how to leave the atmosphere and defy the yeah. gravity. So you get this impression that he wants to go back to space. Like he's yeah. he's done with it. He's seen Earth. He's done Earth. He wants to leave. We should we should specify this movie takes place in 1906. So even though it mm-hmm. is the 70s and people go to space in the 70s, in 1906 no one went to space. No. Yeah. No, so it's it's no. a fantasy, but this alien, I think he wants to go back to space because I don't know he he misses it. I don't. Know. But it's just it's so funny to me how everyone and also the fact that when they find the case has been empty, has been unlocked and opened, and there's a dead body in there, and the monster is gone. The speed at which Christopher Lee decides, oh, that ancient fossil I found must must actually be alive and must be killing people. I'm like, that's you're not wrong but wow how did you get there yes i i do want to i want to shout out the police inspector also that that guy is julio pena okay um, he's dubbed a lot of the everyone who's is dubbed except except the main cast by the way and yeah. he was in a movie i've always wanted to see called red sun which is uh spaghetti western with charles bronson and ursula andres and tosino mifune Ooh, nice uh, it's probably terrible, but I want to see it. But I like so he when he possesses the inspector, it's kind of funny because he doesn't do a good job and his hand is still hairy. Yeah, like, that is so weird. It, it 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 jumps bodies and all of a sudden the cop has to spend like the next 20, 30 minutes of the movie with his hand in his pocket. <laughs> I got one hand in my pocket. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's a weird. The other weird hand is normal. Thing. Like he he can shoot it. Like, and the other he's hand not, is normal. Like <laughs> he's not gradually changing. Like somehow. The transfer process made him change exactly one hand and one hand only. That's it. Yeah, and you don't really find out why. Another part about the whole alien lodge, alien process of taking people over that is hilarious is the brain smoothing. Yes. So you talked about the eye. Let me let me do the brain. Okay. So they 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 find a few dead bodies, and the, the people on the the train inspector before he's possessed is like, you know, this this is kind of fucked up. And so we still look at these bodies. So, so, they, so they crack. So, you know, um, Peter Christian's a doctor. And so with the help of Christopher Lee, they crack open uh, the skull of one of the victims. And the brain is totally smooth. Yes. Because 
Peter Cushing says, your memories and skills are imprinted on your brain as wrinkles. <laughs> so when the alien took everything, the brain became like an egg. Like a baby's bottom. No, it like actually says like a, yeah, they used the like they used they actually used the baby's used the word bottom. Smooth bottom. I must say yeah. though, so she's not much in the movie, but uh, Doctor Wells actually has a, an assistant, a lady assistant. Yeah. So during the autopsy, uh, when 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 they ask him to do an autopsy, which is funny because he's actually about to have dinner. Oh, this scene is weird. Yeah, go it's ahead. So funny. Yeah, he's having dinner with a weird, like an engineer guy who seems important to the plot, but he's not. No, and a lady who seems important in the plot, but she's not either. Not, yeah. So Chris, you know, uh, Wells is having dinner with these two people, and the you know the inspector comes up. It's like, oh, we we I need you, I need your help. He's like, sure, like wait till after I finish my dinner. He's like, I need you to do an autopsy. He's like, oh, okay, okay. He goes to find an assistant. And he's like, I need your assistant with something. And she looks over at his table and sees the youngish woman, at least compared to P- Peter Cushing, and she's like, well, at your age, I'm not surprised. And he's like. As an autopsy, so like she's she's implying that he needed her help to get it up to bang this young lady, which I didn't think uh, was yeah. I, I don't know. Look, look, I don't <laughs> want to be too crass, but what was she gonna do that the young lady couldn't do? I think maybe just more the merrier, you know. Just I don't know. A little, it's little old pretty, lady, pretty straightforward, pretty crude joke. And yeah, she's the one who assists with the autopsies, but yeah. She gets killed later on with, without much fanfare. Like, almost, I should say, a lot of people in this movie just kind of die at one point, and you don't really expect it because you you get you get the impression that a lot of these people might have meant more in one version of the script, but they just go they all lost their parts at some point. Because yeah, there are so many little plot threads that seem like they matter, and they just they just don't they just don't no. because the people, the people and, die. It's all about the monster. Yeah, Anything not related act- to the monster is basically just wasting time before the monster you know hatches a new plan. Yeah, and that actress is Alice Reinhardt, one of the only Americans in the film, and she was. But she's dubbed, uh, and she's dubbed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, she's dubbed. Her. She's probably she's probably dubbed because this film was probably filmed silent. Me, so, okay. A, a lot of these films are filmed silent, and then like Peter Cushing is dubbing his own voice, most likely. Um, Christopher Lee, because it's set. They sound dubbed, even when they're not. Like this, the audio. If you listen to how audio travels in a room when they're in like the big train station, they still sound like they're in an office. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So, so it, was, it was all recorded after the fact that would, that yeah, makes like, sense. Like, like a spaghetti Western spaghetti Westerns do the same thing. So you can then, so everyone that speaks the best English or that whatever, or their own language sometimes, and it just dubbed them anyway. So yeah, like all the, all the women are dubbed, I think by the same person. Probably. And, yeah, because that's how even in the James Bond movies. Oh yeah, all the, the early Bond up. movies, all the all the early Bond movies, Money Penny is Money Penny, and almost every other woman is played by literally one woman. <laughs> well, the, the, her voice, her voice. Yeah. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It's so strange. I don't understand. Um, this in this movie, there's a reason. It's like it, it's to save money. Oh, I don't sure. get what they did. I guess maybe in the Bond ones, they're like, "You're pretty, but you can't act. This would be pretty on camera, and we'll get somebody who can talk." Um, I mean, in the case of you only live twice, I'm sure those 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 very pretty Japanese women did not speak any English, mm. so that makes sense. Well, there's that there too, yes. So, but you know, but, yeah, go ahead. James Bond met a lot of ladies in those movies. I'm sure plenty of them were native English speakers, but it's like, no, no, we're 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 just gonna we'll we'll, we'll film you here, and then we'll go back to the studio, and we'll have you know Peggy, Peggy will cover it or whoever. Yes. And then we'll say <laughs> Why who it is. Not? It's fine. <laughs> but as the monster, you know, 
the monster's kind of making his way through the train. I think he's trying to kill people to get their knowledge to build a spaceship at a certain point. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's the way his line of questioning suggests. It seems like he, and, he wants to get away. He has no interest in the train. He has no interest in the... Well, I guess at some point he decides he wants to kill people because I think they he thinks they think they know more about him. And he so he like he wants to mm-hmm. he wants to kill the countess and he wants to kill Wells and Saxon because they all had a conversation about about the smooth brain problem. Yes. So <laughs> the smooth he just, brain problem. he decides that they are they're more dangerous to him than anyone else. So he wants to kill them. But every, everyone else he sort of kills because like he'll ask him one question and then I guess he decides, oh, it's it's faster if I just smooth your brain. <laughs> yeah, it's brain smooth in one one. And. He eventually, um, Telly Savalas shows up. They figure out that uh, they figure out that the the inspector is the alien. Telly Savalas kills, suits up inspector, who then, before he dies, transfers his brain into the the priest who is down who's down with Satan. Oh um, yeah, Thanks and for then it. that's yeah that's when that's <laughs> when the that's also, also kind of when they figure out that you can see who the bad guy is in the dark. Yeah, his eyes glow in the dark in the daytime. In it's kind of like the blood test in, in in the thing, like you 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 look at their eyes in the dark and his eyes glow red. Um, and that's also kind of when it becomes a zombie movie. <laughs> yeah, that is so wild because yeah, you have this you got the scene where they're trapped. ten minutes left. Ten minutes left. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, because uh, Savalas doesn't show up until the, the the third act. He shows up. He runs over the train. He's like, I am in charge now. I will take whatever drinks I want. I will hold everyone in any car that I want. And yeah, I will shoot you if you disagree with me. Absolutely. And yeah, they got the jumping scene. And then all of a sudden, this the monster like very quickly kills almost all of Telly Savalas' men and Telly Savalas. Just he wipes them all out in like a flash. Mm-hmm. And only when the monster is cornered again later on, does the monster decide, oh, by the way, Everyone I've killed who's still on the train, I can just reanimate them right now, and I'm going to do that right now. Mm-hmm. And this is like in the last five minutes of the film. Like it's it's like probably absolutely- the the only legit creepy scene in the movie too. Like actually, a little bit like not scary, but it's a, it's it's a good scary visual of all these guys coming. They have white eyes. Yes, they've all been bleeding from the eyes and the mouth, and they kind of get up and yeah, it, it's in the dark. And that's a pretty. If I was a little kid, that would be scary. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially, yeah. especially undead Telly Savalas. That is incredibly yes. terrifying. And Peter Cousins packing some fucking heat, and uh, Christopher Lee's packing a light. <laughs> and together, they kind of make their way to the back of the train. the The priest zombie alien is making his way to the front of the train. Some they get word out that the train has to be destroyed. Um. Yeah, I'm kind That's of fuzzy kind of in that confusing. part. Yeah, it's kind of fuzzy. Yeah, because at one point, yeah. So the police they, they make it. They send out a message saying that they're having a problem with the train early, early on in the movie because people start dying. So they're sending messages saying we're having problems with the train, which is how yeah. eventually word gets gets to the Cossacks and Telly Savalas because he decides, mm-hmm. oh, problem with the train. Well, then I'm going to stop your train and get on the train. But I guess the message kept going around because by the time they, by the time they reach later in the movie. The train people have a message from this is from Moscow saying destroy the train. Yeah, yeah. And what I love is they just they're at this you know this station in the middle of nowhere. It's like okay, they go into the switch and the switch literally does two <laughs> things: like train go regular route, train go off cliff. Like that's all <laughs> it does. It doesn't go to the it doesn't go to the the shipyard. It doesn't go to a warehouse. It's not like Silver Streak where the train goes too far and crashes something it's not supposed to. Like 
this switch, if you pull the switch, it goes straight off a cliff. Like there's nothing else it can possibly do. It's like it's like the train version of an ejector seat. I just it's hilarious. It's so thank God, sick. thank God they built that because yes, that's how they get rid of the zombie train. They just they yeet it off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's right there. And like when they when they disconnect the last car, it stops right at the very edge, and you get that great shot of Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee and the hot girl. Um, Peter Cushing just looking down at the cliff, like he's not even scared. He's like, "Yeah, I did it." Yep. Yeah, I'm, of course I'm, I'm the train bursts into flames. You know, yes. so it's burning up. It's burning up everything inside, and presumably, presumably the alien's dead, but maybe not. We don't know. There's no There's sequel. No sequel. So, yeah. uh, the end. Um, very silly, but I think it's kind of really hard to just kind of convey just how fun this movie is. It's just, it's very light. It's less than ninety. Wikipedia says ninety minutes. It's a little bit shorter than that. It. It, it, it follows the hammer formula of get in, get out, oh, monster's dead. Guess what? This movie is fucking over. And very simple. And it just has so much character and so much goofiness. And I feel like Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing just bring so much to the movie, especially Christopher Lee. Peter Cushing's not in it as much, unfortunately. Um... And of course, Telly Savalas. Telly Savalas. Telly Savalas has the second best line in the movie. Um, when somebody said, he says, "If anyone moves, kill them." And then somebody says, D -D Peter Cushing says, "What if that monk is innocent?" And Telly Savalas says, "Ah, we got lots of innocent monks." You know, it's funny. I thought you had mentioned at some point uh, a lady is upset that Telly Savalas is talking down to her, and she's like, "I'll have you sent to Siberia." He just says, "I am in Siberia." <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it's it's hilarious. Like, um, when they find out that the, the like when they find out he's been frozen, and um, he's like, but early on, he you hear you hear the monster kind of make a noise in its in its crate. Yeah, and Doctor Wells, the Peter Cushing is like, there's nothing alive in there, and he's like, no, it's no, you're not, uh, you're mistaken. It's like, uh, he hasn't. It's fine, and Doctor Wells like you have to you have to feed it, and he says, "Well, he hasn't eaten in two million years." And then Peter Cushing's <laughs> like, "Well, that's one way to save money on food bills." Like it's just so many little and like it's it's not like they're not it's such a strange tone. It's like it's not like a goofy. It's not like um, I watched Top Gun Maverick last night. It was just a fucking great movie, but like the jokes in that movie are, are just the, the typical action movie jokes. Yeah, like, this is just good one liners that just kind of move on. Um, so yeah. Are you a doctor? Ask me after I finish eating. Yeah. yeah. This, this little, little things like that. It has a lot more humor. I love hammer films, but they're not, they don't have the humor that this really has. And I think it brings a lot to the movie. It's a, it's just, it's a good, it's, it's a good dumb movie. We didn't say it explicitly. So I, I think when you say Telly Savalas does not put on any kind of accent for this movie. He's supposed to be, a, <laughs> he's, he's supposed to be a Cossack living in Siberia. Who's in charge of, in charge of, Whatever he's in charge of, he absolutely does not do any kind of voice or anything. He just shows up. He's like, I am Telly Savalas, and I am on this train now, and you listen to me. And I've got a gun. I don't think I'm wearing any underwear. Uh, yes, give me that drink now. It's just <laughs> it's so funny how he takes yeah. over. It's so funny how he takes over and does not does not pay any attention to anything that happened before him. Like, no, this is my movie now until I die. Yeah, Telly Savalas just 
in in as much as I love Peter Cushing and love Christopher Lee, as we have said multiple times, Tully Savalas is barely in this film, and he leaves a fucking impression. <laughs> yeah. So I I feel like this is a good one worth watching, and if from here, if you're looking for more stuff like it, Hammer I think is the best way to go. Um, or as Amicus, Amicus is the other British studio, kind of the B grade Hammer, and again. Uh, Diamond, everybody, Psychomania, the other movie this this these this this group made, British zombie bikers from hell. You know, before you mentioned the thing, and of course, once you said the thing, it's like, oh, of course, this is very much like the thing. I actually had a very, uh, I felt like this movie had a lot in common with The Hidden. Oh yeah, that's a good movie too. Yeah, yeah. you're not wrong. Yeah, the hidden, uh, the hidden. I just want to share a story. So, the hidden is a movie that sort of haunted me for many, many years because I, <laughs> I kept no, no, no. Let me explain. Okay, I first started watching it at a sleepover, and it was so late that we fell asleep before the movie ended. But we saw the beginning of it, so we knew what it was about, but we never finished it. And for years, I kept starting the movie and never seeing it to the end. Like it would, it would come out on cable with like, oh, I gotta go to work. I gotta go to work. I can't leave. You know, I, I just I kept missing it. I kept missing it. So it wasn't until this year, 2022, that I finally sat down and watched the entirety of the hitting. And I really liked it. It's a good movie. Yeah. But it's like, that's that's also a movie that has a monster probably from space and it jumps between bodies. And you've got this thing where it's like someone's chasing it. And that's one's a lot. It's that one's also got a lot of humor to it. It's It's got some silliness, but it's also a lot more gore. So I would say it's probably it's, it's kind of horror, kind of science fiction. Really a great role. It's a pre-Twin Peaks role for Kyle McLaughlin, and he's he's playing it weird, and it's a good reason he's playing it weird, which I really mm-hmm. thought was good. And he's playing it as, like, a cop, and the cop guy is just playing it like a regular cop who's, like, he's exhausted, and I feel like the two of them have really good chemistry. Um, also, uh, Claudia Christian shows up as a stripper, um, <laughs> which is just kind of a funny, because she's a beautiful woman, don't be wrong, but I, she doesn't look really doesn't look like a stripper type to me, so it's just kind of funny that she would show up and in, in the high heel boots and like the bustier and like, I'm a stripper now. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I feel like you're gonna kick my ass, but all right. <laughs> See, uh, yeah, so yeah. That's a, yeah. I recommend the hit. That's a good movie. Yeah. If you're looking for another aliens impersonating people on earth. Um, also transfers with, with, uh, with, uh, yeah, Tim Thomason and Helen Hunt. Um, oh, that's another fun movie. Alien, but bad. We're well, not alien bad guy. from the, It's basically, um, it's basically the hidden, but with time travel. It's um, it's a very, it's a very cheap, um, it's a very, 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 very cheap Terminator knockoff. That I, I re- it's a Charles Band movie. If you know who Charles Band is, um, Charles ba- Charles Band, he did he that's Full Moon Features. Okay. Um, uh, the Puppet Master. Okay, the, the Puppet Master. Little, little yeah. Demonic demonic toys. Yes, you know uh, that that's Charles Band. So evil bong, you know, good stuff. Um, anyway, well, way off topic. We should probably wrap up now. <laughs> uh, Diamond, thank you for talking about this good, fun, silly movie. I appreciate it, and I'm glad you brought it up in movies you want to talk about because I am in a bad place and I need more Peter Cushing in my life. So thank you very much. But as per usual, tell everyone where they can find you on the internet. Well, uh, my nom de internet is Fight Club, F-E-I-T-C-L-U-B. Uh, that's my last name plus a word you've heard before. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as long as Twitter exists. 
Uh, I guess we've we've mentioned it several times in the podcast. I've probably hyped my letterbox. I do. I use letter. I'm a very avid letterbox user. Yeah, you're and good at it. Yeah. Since I watch, I've been watching movies every day this year. I try to review them all. I try to say something about every single one. Uh, after I did 31 Nights of Halloween, I decided this month is going to be Nick November. So I'm watching a Nick Cage movie every day. And <laughs> okay, I'm trying to watch Nick Cage movies I haven't seen before, which unfortunately, unfortunately means I'm skipping a lot of the good ones, quote unquote. But I'm discovering, you know, I, I, there's, there's plenty of ones that I haven't seen. Like I, I saw Wild of Heart last week. I thought Wild of Heart was very good. Um, I saw Valley Girl. I thought Valley Girl was pretty good. Never seen um, Valley Girl. Grand Isle, not so much. It's funny. Like, even the bad movies, I think, have interesting things in them, but they're just not. They generally fall apart. But it's, 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 I show up for the Nick Cage. I get the Nick Cage. I'm sure I'm going to find at least one movie this month that will be a surprise. I'm positive. It's it's going to happen. He makes so many movies. He's worked so like he is truly. I mean, he'll never catch up. But I feel like he would give Christopher Lee a, a run for his money if if he managed to live to 150. Um, yes, and and is that why you finally watched Fast Times? Yes, you know, much to my surprise, <laughs> much to my surprise, Fast Times at Ridgemont High is Nicolas Cage in the movie. Yes, but he doesn't have any lines. <laughs> he's, he's 17 years old. Was he's he just could, a guy? He he's just a guy in the background. Nicholas Cage is not in that movie. Nicholas Coppola is. Yes, that's right. He's not even. He's not even credited as, as Nicholas yeah. Cage. He's Nicholas Coppola. Yeah. But I just. I just assume because I, I also. Before that, I tried to watch a movie with um, Robert Redford called Brubaker, which also allegedly stars Nicolas Cage. But <laughs> not only was he not in the credits, I watched it for about 20 minutes. I'm like, I don't even see one hide of his appearance. I looked it up. It's like, oh, he's an uncredited prisoner in this prison movie. Like, no, I'm, I'm not watching the rest of the prison movie. I'm sorry. Good There's plan. too much. There's already too much prison rape and beating jokes ah. in this movie. I'm, I'm bailing. I'm bailing. I, I skipped that. Okay. Best Time is well, Ridgemont High, I think, is an enjoyable movie despite the fact that you don't get any Nicolas Cage. And despite the fact that, much like Pretty Maids All in a Row, it has aged poorly. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some weird... Se- I mean, there's not, there's not some great sexual attitude, but I must say, considering the time, considering this came out the same year as, what, like, Porky's? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. The women have a lot of... Like, the movie opens with women talking about men in a sexual way. Like, oh, look at that guy. Yeah, look yeah. at his butt. No, it, it, yeah, yeah. And they're very active in seeking out boyfriends seeking out or not just seeking out just men to have sex with so i feel like in that regards i was actually really impressed you know it was also was, it was directed by amy heckerling so i feel like oh, it's a great movie. movie it's a great movie yeah i think that movie fared a lot better than i expected you know yeah. they were very the women were there was no like um uh, there was some dodgy stuff like where you know a man wanted to have sex more than the lady wanted to have sex but there were also scenes where the lady very much wanted to have sex and the it guy was kind of like oh I, I guess i could fuck you you know but <laughs> it is a very realistic movie yeah um, and, there, and also yeah, so. almost everyone in the movie is a teenager and i feel like that's a realistic way because like if you're teen if you're a teen and someone wants to have sex with you it's pretty much do i want to have sex or do i not want to have sex am i scared of this like yeah, i feel yeah. like that all comes oh, yeah. in the movie anyway yeah, Nicholas movie. Cage anyway. Gets none of that because he's literally just a guy in the background he says nothing he fucks no one yeah <laughs> like me in high school anyway <laughs> <laughs> Same. Same. Anyway, same, yes. But you can find me. I'm also on Letterboxd. Uh, everything I'm going to say is at Lost Turntable. At Lost Turntable on Letterboxd. Lost Turntable on YouTube. Lost Turntable on Twitter. I have a, a Mastodon account at Lost Turntable, but I forgot how Mastodon works. I'm going to have to get back on that. Yeah. Um, I, Turnt- I got to find out. I know I have a Tumblr account, but I haven't used it in like six years. I, I have to find out how to log into it again. <laughs> I am Lost Turntable on Tumblr, and I am Lost Turntable. I- Lost Turntable on Instagram is not me. 
I was Same. hacked. I, I was hacked and I couldn't. I well, I was hacked and I couldn't get it back. Oh, that sucks. Um, but I fucking hate Instagram, so they're lost. Fuck them. But anyway, yeah. Uh, if you follow me on Letterbox, you will see that I am currently. I am. I am planning to start going through eight million um Scott Atkins films. Oh, um, if you know who that is, do you know who that is? Yeah, uh, as one of the one of his movies I watched this year, I believe it was called um, Revengeance or Re Re Kill, the zombie movie. No, no, no. Oh no, Avengement, 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 Avengement. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. not Re- Revengeance is a Metal Gear game. <laughs> Avengement. Yes. It's just like he basically plays an angry man who goes to a pub and beats the shit out of everybody. And I was like I enjoyed this film as he. Yeah, beats the we shit recently watched Debt Collector, Debt Collectors, and Triple Threat. Um, Debt Collector was a very fun movie. Debt Collectors is a better movie. They both have shockingly good acting for how stupid they are. And Triple Threat has Tony Jaa, uh, Iko Uwais from The Raid, um, and Michael J. White, and Scott Ooh. Atkins. And Ooh. the plot is nothing. <laughs> the plot is nothing. But the action is great. I think my next Scott Atkins film is probably going to be, I've heard good things about Avengement, and I want to see... Um, the ninja movies he's in, he's in one movie called Ninja Two with Kane Kasugi. Oh, and he's appa- apparently his undisputed sequels are quite good. <laughs> and I hear good things about Accident Man, but it's this goes back to why this is, goes back to Man, how. Wait, does Accident Man make you have accidents? Is that what he does? I will. Fi- I will report back to you. <laughs> this kind of goes back to the how I got into Hammer films. I like old horror. My boyfriend likes British shit. Let's watch Hammer. I like action. Uh, my boyfriend likes British shit. Scott Atkins, exceptionally British. Yes. Like, he is oi, oi, oi British. Oh, like, yeah. Oi, 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 oi. So, yeah, good stuff there. But anyway, we'll wrap this one up today. Uh, Diamond, yeah. thanks again. I'll go ahead. What I did just, you say? If I could, before we end up, because we spend a lot of time talking about horror, I do want to mention uh, I do a lot of stuff for Retronauts. I didn't say the word Retronauts uh-huh. on this podcast. And as of this recording, uh, we just put out a new episode where me and two other folks rank all the Resident Evil games. And that should oh. be, by the time this episode goes live, that should be live for everyone, not just for our patrons. So that is well over two hours of me and people, me and other people talk about Resident Evil. So if you like horror and you like Resident Evil, which makes sense, I would please invite <laughs> you to listen to that because that was a good time. I'm going to listen to that even though I fucking hate those games, but I am curious uh, because I am the outlier. I am the Stuart Gip of Resident Evil. <laughs> um, I I just I I fucking I really hate those. It's the fucking tank controls. I just can't do it. But anyway, okay. wrap it up there. I'm sure it's great. I, I'm not I'm not being sarcastic. I'm sure no, no. I want to listen to that. I'm sure it's a fun episode. I like a lot of the ones as long as they're not. I will listen to any episode of Retronauts as long as it's not JRPGs because that's just for me personally. My eyes glaze over. I just can't do it. I don't care if it is the most interesting person in the world talking about it in the most erudite way imaginable. I can't do it. But Resident Evil, I mean, that's zombies. I can do that. But anyway, thanks again for listening, everybody. I'll be back again in two weeks. And see you then. Until then, take care. Good night. There is no camera. We're just waving to each other. Okay. Okay.